take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, talking about what's the biggest stories of the week. And for me, the biggest story of the week is that the protests and anti-protests are being used by the left and the right at the top to get us all to agree to more central control and an incursion into our rights. I was <laughs> headed down the road of talking about how tech companies are uh, are censoring, but this issue is still hot. And I think we here having a very interesting discussion that I don't think you're hearing anywhere else. So I'm going to kind of give the show over to the calls. I'm going through calls, uh, two minutes a call, uh, but in order of how long you've been holding, if you are on hold, I will get to you. We're going to do some rapid fire. I don't want to forget about the tweets. So Binkley, give me a tweet, please. At Naval 1122 tweets that, it sucks that it seems we always have and always will allow 1% of the people, activists, politicians, and the media to control the entire narrative. That's interesting. And Binkley, on our podcast, Propaganda Report, the most recent one we did, which is on the website, PropagandaReportDaily.com, you played a clip for me of Jane, Sh- her name is Schakowsky, the yeah. Jan Schakowsky. She's an Illinois congresswoman. I think, I want you to find this clip if you could, and we'll play it hopefully in the show, where she was saying, hey, the optics, something like, hey, the optics of someone um, in a wheelchair getting hurt is like ideal. <laughs> like that's It's what great we want. for our movement. Yeah, it's great like. for our movement, which just makes me sick. But that's what we're talking about here. This stuff is not is is uh not an accident so let's try to get to that and uh now i'm going to get to some calls i'm going to charles and grayson hi charles you're on with monica hey how you doing monica good how you doing charles all right first of all i'm just, i'm a black man i get so sick and tired of hearing the african-american community talk about slavery i don't know a slave don't even know if i have any slaves but what i do know is how the democrats in the history of them. And what gets me is Benedict Arnold, John Lewis, who was in the struggle, got beat upside his head, knowing that these were the Democrats that did it to him, sold out the black community by getting a seat at the table. And out there, just like nothing happened. Our community is so lost when it comes to these type of issues because we're on a vote every four years. And the only thing we want to hear is who's the racist person? I hear so much from about racism in Charlottesville. Again, who came to the aid of black people? It was the white people that were attacking those people who, by the way, had a right to be there because they had a permit. And I just get so tired of that. They want an excuse for everything. Uh, that's an interesting point, Charles, because our, you know, not to, you may be able to get away with saying, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know, I can't, I don't want to offend people, but if, what, by extension of what you're saying is the, the Union soldiers, a lot of them were white, and I think black people fought on the Confederate side some. 
Not a lot, right. but you know, it's not a strictly racial divide, is what it's not. You might be saying. And this is the question: Black people, I holler what black people want. So I, I always pose the question, and I offer money for somebody to ask them, this, and I always leave with my money. What is it that black people want that nobody else wants? What is it? We know that Hispanics want amnesty for illegals. We know that the LGBT want certain things for their community, and Obama gave it to them. But what is it that black people want that nobody else wants? That they, want to go out here, they go out here and cry and whine racism on everything. But that's an interesting what, point, Charles, and that's your two minutes well used. I, will, I want to make one comment on that, which is I have noticed that when people speak to, I think maybe Michelle Obama did it to young black women, um, that things she was saying about being, you know, uh, oppressed or whatever, were actually tapped into the insecurities that you feel, you know, as a young woman, and that I thought by presenting it, and maybe she wasn't doing it uh, intentionally or whatever, but but by presenting it as something that was uh, externally placed upon you, it's disempowering. So what you don't realize is that these natural feelings of insecurity, what you're saying is, um, what do they want that nobody else wants? What are you feeling that nobody else is feeling? I, I get that there are, some people have it worse. If you knew my own personal childhood history, you might think that maybe I, I uh, deserve a little extra sympathy, you know, than somebody else. But that's probably not even really true because probably everybody has history that you can point to why they feel, um, you know, not at, not in as good a position as other people. But I feel like positioning it as this is your place in society and you have to join together and fix it for everybody is very disempowering when in reality, a lot of this stuff comes from your own sense of uh, overcoming personal challenges can really be empowering. So yes, these factors exist. They they do. But you can carve out your place uh, like a lot of other people have by uh, overcoming the challenges and being who you really want to be. And there is room for that. Thank you, Charles. I, I might have to, uh, I, I, if my lines were at all full, I bet I would get a bunch of calls on that. So I'm going to Wes in Marietta. Uh, you are on with Monica. Hey, thank you for taking my call today, Monica. Listen, I, I wanted to, to respectfully disagree with a gentleman. I believe his name was Tim, who called probably at this point about 30 minutes ago, where he said our nation was founded on a racial divide, and I think that is factually inaccurate. Our nation was founded on the premise that all men were created with inalienable rights given by their creator, removing the idea of rights from the shelter of the government, placing it in the hands of the creator, meaning we're accountable to our maker for how we act. And our founding fathers knew that, that, that slavery and, and, and the economic realities associated with it were a problem for the country. We didn't have many answers back then, and there needs to be credit for the people that had the, the wherewithal and the foresight and, and the spiritual aptitude to recognize that slavery was a moral injustice, and, and it, was, it was a grievance, and it needed to be addressed. And by addressing it the way it was in the U.S. Constitution, they set a precedent in place that caused our nation to evolve faster socially and culturally than any other nation before it, when it came to the rights of human beings. And that needs to be addressed, because sometimes liberty is messy, but it is far, far better than the alternative of totalitarianism. 
And people need to understand that the government is never going to be able to create equality when the problem with the lack of equality lies inside of a human being. At the end of the day, the government is never going to be able to legislate someone into loving their neighbor. That All way. right. So, Tim, sorry, uh, Wes, sorry, sorry, sorry. I want to um, address a couple of things. The reason I didn't challenge Tim on saying that is that slavery did exist, and I don't think it's inaccurate to say that uh, there was a racial divide. But what you're saying is so, so important in this. What what these people are doing who promote this unrest, who foster uh, these really, um, you know, these divisions from the past, communism and Nazism, um, white versus black, uh, based on the slavery and uh, the history of the Civil War. It is absolutely what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. This ideology of tyranny, the divisiveness, is meant to keep us from focusing on what would unite us against the powers that that uh, do actually oppress us and take our liberties away. That by telling by encouraging the view in in one community i don't want to say like the black community it's we're america they they're creating different mindsets and different communities and telling people that they don't have the same uh access to that legacy and the legacy of whether there was it was at that time real for everyone or not the fact that it was enshrined in foundational documents is is like unique in history if i'm correct about this and it's something that we can rally around i used to say it's just a piece of paper it's it has no teeth but actually as a rallying point it's very powerful and if we rallied around it everybody would find that it protects us all so coming out and tearing the rights down because you want uh different protections or you know that you want your feelings protected is dangerous and it's exactly what they're doing on purpose thank you so much for the call Wes uh, I am going to Jeff and Alpharetta hi Jeff you're on with Monica uh, thanks for taking my call Monica I've got a question for you I'd like you to answer at the end and, and I'll start with it even and, and that's where do you think that the the origin is for this whole issue where it came from to make it a national issue we're a diverse country, and, and the one size doesn't fit all, and it seems uh, that it's just a, a big government orchestrating these issues, somehow getting the media to buy into it so that they can implement them this further control. Our founding fathers, they specifically gave us different ways for our diverse culture to deal with these types of issues through our senators, our congressmen, and our state and local government. And going right to the top, I mean, I think Trump just needs to stop addressing this on a national level give it to the state and local levels to deal with, and however their constituents in those areas wish to see it is how it should be done. So I go back yeah. to my original question to you of, of, you know, this has been around forever. Where, did, where, did, where was the origin for this from? I, I agree that this is not something that should be addressed on the federal level. I would say, I, I went to law school, the, I think one could argue before the 14th Amendment anyway that that the Bill of Rights and the Constitution applied to and limited the federal government, and the states could even defy that, defy those guarantees. And in some ways, I, um, you know, it's too scary for me even to say, because I'm such a fan of, like, the Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment and the... 
Um, the First Amendment actually does apply to Congress, but I think these are not issues uh, in, in things like marriage, health care, policing. Those are clearly still reserved to the states by the Tenth Amendment. And why we have to have universal laws on abortion or gay marriage or any of that stuff, uh, it makes no sense. That was the whole point of the states' rights uh, in the first place. So I agree with you. It's all about central power, and it is all about breaking down amendment by amendment, eliminating the Bill of Rights, neutralizing our constitutional protections against the federal government. That's the bottom line. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Be back with more calls after this. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I do want to give a special shout out as an example of what can be done to the disability rights movement and adapt in, the, in this fight. The images of people being pulled out of their wheelchairs is not unlike the images during the civil rights movement of the uh, fire hoses being turned on children in the children's marches or John Lewis getting his head cracked. Um, you know, it's those kinds of visuals are very, very important to our our movement. So that was Illinois Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. Is that right, Binkley? Where was that? That was at Netroots Nation in Atlanta last weekend. That's an indivisible event where they train people how to be agitators. That's what they're telling people in Atlanta to do. And you know what? It kind of diminishes, in my mind, the civil rights stuff, as if, you know, putting it in the same boat as uh, something that contrived I don't know. I I guess she can get away with that, but it doesn't sound cool. And it certainly makes it sound like this whole thing uh, is what Nancy Pelosi called the Tea Party astroturf, not grassroots. But that do- even if it's not uh, even if it do- didn't just spring out of the hearts of the American public organically doesn't mean it's not getting to people. It is triggering them emotionally. We are, uh, we're in this debate. I think the debate is, I think the histrionics are a way just to take away rights one by one, but it is, it is getting to us and we are having really uh, an open forum here. I've got, if you are on hold, I should be able to get to you if we all talk fast and you know I can as a New Yorker. So if you're on hold, I'm going to do more rapid fire calls after the break or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6 in the home stretch. But I think it's going to be an exciting last half hour because we have just been, uh, I think, having an open forum of a discussion at the beginning of the show. I think it was Tim who said that we should be able to talk about this stuff. And I think maybe we're not all sitting in a room together, but I do believe that we are uh, getting a diverse body of views out there. So I want to get as many in as I can. Let's do some rapid fire phone calls. Um, Not taking any more calls, but if you're on hold, hopefully I'll get to you. Binkley, do you have a, a tweet, or are we... Um... Yeah, I have one. It is from Privilege. He says he cannot understand how people have conversations with this broken dialectic, and then he cites 
Kumal, a uh, celebrity from one of, the, I can't remember what the show he's on, but he says, 50 years ago, Nazis are bad. 10 years ago, Nazis are bad. Today, actually the First Amendment. So he's a comedian mocking the First Amendment. All right. I have absolutely no idea what any of that means, but maybe somebody out there got <laughs> a lot out of it. So who am I to judge? I'm going to just let that just let that soak in for people. And uh, and I actually have human beings live on the phone who, when I don't understand what they're saying, I'm going to ask them <laughs> to explain it. So let's start with Kevin and uh, Hiram. Hi, Kevin. You're on with Monica. Kevin. Kev. All right, Kev is out. I'm putting Kev on hold. If Kev, Kev comes back, I'll take him. I'll try him after Steve. I'm going to Steve in Talladega. Steve, you're on with Monica. Yeah, good afternoon. My my whole thing is we need to use a democratic process if we're going to try and solve this. If a city wants to go ahead and vote, the citizens get together and put a petition up to remove a, a statue or something, let that happen. We don't. You know, people say that you look at what they did with the, in Germany, all, they outlawed all the Nazi symbols and took down all the Hitler statues. That's comparing apples and oranges. These statues have been up for, you know, a hundred plus years. Let it be the citizens of the city that decide what happens with them. Actually, Steve. I bet that your system would work with the Nazi statues in Germany. My guess is that everybody in Germany, the majority of people in Germany, would vote to bring those statues down. It's, you know what I mean? So, yes, it's apples and oranges in, in one way, but I think that your solution would work. And normally, I'm not a huge fan of democracy, like uh, mob rule, where people can just vote other people's rights away. But uh, it sounds like actually... Not a bad idea. And ultimately, my bottom line is give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. These heroes, these villains are used by the political elite to control us. And the symbols that they use uh, are there for a reason, in my opinion. So although uh, I think that the issues are complicated, I, I would love to, to neutralize the power of the symbols across the board. So anyway, but thank you so much for the call, Steve. I am going to Albert in Fayette County. Hi, Albert. You're on with Hi. Me. Hi. I heard all of your callers. Uh, I think this is a healthy debate, but I want to caution people that uh, some of these hate groups are real and have committed uh, killings and bombings and painting on people's houses. And uh, we shouldn't let people march up Buford Highway with machine guns which is what uh, some of these groups had in Charlottesville. They had very powerful guns, and people were intimidated. And, uh, you know, we can take down statues, and we can um, clean up our parks and our county squares, but are we going to pass laws that are going to fund free breakfasts for children who are poor and services for the elderly? We need to isolate these people and not allow them just to do anything they want. Just because, just because we have free speech, which is a good thing and which has helped a lot of people, you have to use it in a kind of a careful way. You can't just go out and yell fire in a theater. All right, Albert, I want to address your points. You brought a lot of points up. I want to address them uh, rapidly, one by one. I, um, 
you said spend the money instead on on free lunch or you know we need to be careful how we control this stuff obviously you're on the other end of the political spectrum from me because I think that the problem is that we want and ask for control. We feel like everything has to be controlled together, that we should take people's money and give it to kids for lunch. I don't believe that. I don't I don't think that's the realm of government. That's just my opinion. But the thing about the guns at the protests, the ACLU came out and said, we are no longer going to defend people who want to bring loaded guns to protests. And I, I kind of suspected that this issue, this actual event, Charlottesville, would be at the tipping point for the ACLU, the red line for the ACLU, to kind of back away from their absolutist approach to defending free speech. And it made me think that, and it goes to that Jan Schakowsky thing and a lot of this stuff, is that what we're seeing, we're not seeing... You know what maybe whoever said earlier like in Korea there's just like thousands and thousands of people out there peacefully saying what they want it kind of goes to Steve's point about democracy which I am not normally the one defending it but if it is representative you're going to have so many people out there who aren't doing that stuff that it makes me kind of wonder why people on both sides in these protests are just these handfuls of handsful of extremists and that that what whatever happened to common sense you know why do we have to decide if the biggest nut job is defended because that is the issue that is being presented before through that they can slip the thin end of the wedge into the issue and then it just breaks a hole in the in that right so i would urge caution when you look at these events to see if if the uh, extremism, which is like the Daily Stormer thing. I never heard of that. I never would have su- seen the really offensive, vulgar things that they wrote on their website if the Huffington Post did not reprint it. And everybody talks about this thing now. So for me, I think we're being led down the garden path with uh, with addressing the extreme, like with abortion. The first was, well, what do you think about rape and incest? It's like, no, why don't we talk about the real issues first, you know, the, the, I should say the issue, the overarching issue. That's really the question here. Do you want the government to control speech on the internet? Because that is the thing that's at issue. And, uh, so I would just be cautious to say that's the real question, but thank you very much, Albert. I'm going to Reggie indicator. Reggie, you're on with Monica. Happy, a happy Saturday to you, Monica. Long time no hear from. Hi, Reggie. Uh, how you doing? Just fine. Just fine. I would just like to say, how many exactly? How many more of these demonstrations, marches, or even protests are going to end or wind up in violence before we all finally stand up and say enough is finally enough? And do you think that the NRA, along with talk radio and the and the mainstream mainstream media, stood up and denounced this kind of type of violence that happened this past week in Charlottesville, Virginia? Yes or no? Why or why not? What do I think? Wait, wait, wait. You're going. <laughs> do I think that they should denounce the violence? Violence is never okay. I mean, that's the whole. I'm a libertarian. I, 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 I think people really are allowed to do anything they want until right. it encroaches on other people's rights. When it encroaches on other people's rights, and of course, for me, the bottom line is the great Murray Rothbard's one-liner, don't touch me or my stuff. You're going around touching people. Every, it's like the 
the um my daughter came home with this and i know it's a very common not came home i think she got off the internet i don't know but it's you know it used to be a, a common kind of feminist cry like you should be able to walk down the street naked and no one is allowed to rape you and that is absolutely 100 percent true but as my husband responded uh, just because you're allowed to wear a meat suit to the zoo doesn't mean it's a good idea. So I um, that was just a quip, not relevant to my point. But my point is that you are permitted to I, don't, I think you actually are allowed to walk down the street naked, but you're you are permitted to walk around and say whatever you want. You're even permitted to carry a loaded gun with an offensive sign in your hand and no one is allowed to touch you and you're not allowed to touch anybody else. And that's all there is to it. So do I want everybody to walk down the street with offensive signs and machine guns with scary looks on their faces. No, I definitely do not want that. But that those are the ones who are getting our attention. And that's what you're promoting. It was in the Wall Street Journal this week. One of the guys they talked to said, this was quoted twice on the same page in the journal. It said, watch how this Charlottesville makes the movement explode. It was hundreds then. It'll be thousands next time and thousands more after that obviously foreseeable consequences or you know they don't they call them unintended consequences of this massive 24 7 coverage but they are foreseeable and therefore i have to say not cannot be considered strictly unintended i'm going to nathan in lawrenceville nathan you're on with monica yes uh monica i appreciate your call i've got a lot to say in a very short time to, to say it in uh first of all i want to identify myself as a I am a grand, great, great, great grandson of a, uh, a guy that fought with George Washington in five battles, and and I also had a grandfather that fought with General Lee for three years and two months, and he was with Lee when he surrendered at Appomattox. There Your actual grandfather? <laughs> yes, not my actual grandfather. It's my grandfather's father's father. Okay. And okay. so, yes, I am a descendant of that. <laughs> and and I want to remind you of one thing. I think you're all on the wrong track because there was two police officers that podcasted this. I read it this morning, and they they, they was in, in Charlottesville, and they said that the mayor of Charlottesville spent many years at Berkeley. Now, when he became mayor... And they don't know how he became mayor, but they said when he became mayor, he has a he got himself a black assistant mayor, and this a black assistant mayor. Oh, the he, guy named Wes who says stuff that. Yes. Yeah, and I think that was a setup. All this stuff about I white know. people, right? Now and then they elected themselves a or they appointed a black police officer, and he said the 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 white people that was at the monument, they had a federal judge that made them give them a permit. Now, they're the only ones that had a permit. Nobody else had a permit. The police said they should have been protecting those people. They were in the right. All right, no that's interesting, about. Nathan, and I have to address this because, first of all, we're coming up on a break. Second of all, I feel like that whole theme, I saw that, that Jason Kessler talked about it. Um, I think he he's the one, Jason Kessler, who organized this Unite the Right, actually targeted that guy. Um, 
a long time ago. I went back through all that Jason Kessler's old tweets just to see where he was coming from. And I feel like that whole conflict, that whole um, right and wrong on both sides is what's called the dialectic, that they set it up. I actually um, talked about that specific thing as the art of ambiguity. They make sure, because I think this stuff is orchestrated, so they make sure that there's right to be seen on both sides so that people can defend their position. That's they if it were wrong wrong if it was wrong versus right, everyone would be on right. That's what makes me think it was a setup. Plus the fact that they called a state of emergency before that girl got killed. So um but it is interesting that given that they had the permit, they were the ones who should have been protected. That was a, a an insight I hadn't had. Let me take the uh break. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Hopefully, I'll have time for another call, so hang on. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Mix of sunshine and clouds, increasing humidity with a high of 90 forecast for Monday as the work week begins. But that could change, so stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather. Brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And also tune into WSB Monday afternoon. I'm sure it is going to be loads of fun from 1 to 3. As Aram, Van Hessler, Bortz, Mellish all uh, share the excitement of the super cool solar eclipse that's going to pass right over Georgia. How cool is that? Yeah, Cher's going to be there. Really? <laughs> you said oh, shit. Oh, stop. Come <laughs> on. This isn't the comedy hour. So, but look, there was something. Uh, oh, yeah. I heard on the news earlier, one of the news breaks, that um, the Boston free speech rally was going off uh, peacefully, more or less. A few arrests made, but, you know, just peacefully. And I have to say, I predicted it. I not only like predicted it at the breakfast table, like normally my predictions are, I actually tweeted it. So I told people to watch out for this, and I told them why. So if you would please read me that tweet, and then I'll wrap up. You tweeted, the climax today might actually be an anti-climax. The lesson being, quote, government can solve this problem, end quote. What to watch out for. Yep, that's the uh, Boston, the home of uh, martial law is the answer. That's so right. You can always count on that. Boston was the tell for me. We uh, post these podcasts and our own podcast on Propaganda Report Daily, and we'll be back next week, 3 to 6. This is the Monica Perez Show.